This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up, everybody? Ricky Whitmer here, along with the one, the only, Brandon Swanny Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And we are back for another edition of the Primetime Podcast right here on Most Valuable Podcasts, your one-stop shop for college football, college basketball. But Brandon, we're looking at college football today, but not about games and about the college football playoff. We're doing our first big board of the season. We are looking NFL draft here, giving our top 25 for our big board, our first one of the year. And we're going to get into that, that in a second, but I got to do some important housekeeping. And we have a new item on the housekeeping, and that's MVP t-shirts. You can get your own most valuable podcast t-shirt. Every step is down below in the description, but all you got to do is email us your name, your size, your address. We will then send you an invoice through Square to set that whole thing up and get yourself an MVP t-shirt. Again, all that is down below in the description. Also, patreon.com. If you have not already, check it out. Patreon.com backslash most available podcast. You like what we're doing here? Want to help support us? That's how you do it. Down below, we got Jake. We got Christian. We got Patrick helping us out. Thank you to you guys. Need some more support, though? Check out Patreon down below. And then also, the last thing, I say it every week, if you're on iTunes or you have an iTunes, please go and give us a five-star rating for the Primetime Podcast, but also do the same for the Onside Kick, Rick and Johnny Podcast, and the Fast Break. It would really help us out, and we'd be really appreciative if you would go ahead and do that and give us that five-star rating. But, Brandon, housekeeping is out of the way. It is now time for our first-ever Big board for the primetime podcast and really most valuable podcast. We are breaking history here on most valuable podcast with our first ever big board. So how are we going to how we're going to do it overall? If you're on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, it's the whole thing. You're going to get 21 through one or 25 through one. You just got to sit here and listen to us. If you're on YouTube, it'll be three individual videos, and we're going to start with 16 through 25. Kind of talk about these guys. For the viewers at home, not the viewers, the listeners at home that can't see the graphic, Brandon, I'll let you go first. How about you run us through your 16 through 25 for the 2018 Big Board 1.0? Do you want me to start at 25 and go to 16 or 16 to go to 25? Whatever you want. You 25 to go to 16. 16 I, think it, I think it makes more sense, 25 okay. to 16. So starting at 25, I've got Harold Landry, um, a linebacker from uh, Boston College. Then at 24, I've got Mason Rudolph, quarterback, Oklahoma State. 23, Denzel Ward, cornerback of Ohio State. At 22, I've got Connor Williams, offensive lineman at Texas. At 21, Christian Wilkins, defensive lineman, Clemson. At 20, Joshua Jackson, cornerback, Iowa. At 19, Clellan Farrell, defensive end, Clemson. At 18, Mike McGlinchey, offensive tackle, Notre Dame. At 17, Duran Payne, D-tackle, Alabama. And at 16, the fun name, Chikwuma Okafor, offensive tackle, Western Michigan. Yeah, and good thing that Okafor is not on mine because I would have so much trouble saying his name, but my... 25, I almost said top 25. My 25 through 16, though, we'll start with my 25. I'll do it 
the same way you did it at 25. Running back from Stanford, we got Bryce Love. Then at number four, a Heisman finalist. It was announced tonight. We got Lamar Action Jackson, quarterback from the Louisville Cardinals. Then at number 23, friend of the show, defensive lineman from Michigan, Mo Hurst cracking in to the big board. He's a lot higher on yours than mine, but he's still on the big board nonetheless for both of us. Then number 22, another Heisman finalist, quarterback from Oklahoma, Baker Mayfield. Number 21, the cornerback from Iowa, Josh Jackson. Number 20, offensive tackle from Texas, Connor Williams. Number 19, defensive lineman from Clemson, Christian Wilkins. Number 16, offensive tackle, Oklahoma, Orlando Brown. 17, linebacker from Georgia, Roquan Smith. And then at 16, the cornerback from Ohio State or the Ohio State, we got Denzel Ward. So we're going to kind of... Look through some of these guys, talk about a few of them. We got some of them lined up, but Brandon, I'm going to kick it to you. One guy you wanted to talk about. This guy is a lot higher on my big board than he is on your big board. Number 25, the linebacker defensive end hybrid from Boston College, Harold Landry. I'm going to ask you just plain out, why would you have him at 25 first off? What was your thought process here? Well, see here the re- the reason I had him at twenty five is um, I would have had him higher injury in the last four games you know held held him out and I think that we saw some really good things from him even in this season even though he was injured mm-hmm. and then two years ago we saw some some good things he he did well he was very I I don't want to say mediocre but he was he didn't. He wasn't like way up here. He was just kind of toeing the line. But then last year, boom, way up there with his 16, 16 and a half sacks. Mm-hmm. And then five sacks again this year, eight and a half tackles through the first eight games of the season. Certainly not even the pace that he was last year, but still good. But I, I put him down here at 25 because of the injury. But I probably could have had him higher, but there's really there's so many good players. This whole board, uh, one through twenty five for me. If you gave me it to do again right now, I would probably have people in different spots. I mean, that's just or new additions. You know, that's just that's honestly just how it goes. But I think that he is one of the most talented linebackers in this in this in this class, and then for this draft. And and this Mm. is a guy who I think already believed that. He was NFL ready. Um, you know, he he said he he basically came out and said he could have been in the NFL last year, but he came back uh, this year uh, to to Boston College again. And and this is a guy who is able to get creative. Now he's going to get very very creative in terms of what he's able to do. He doesn't necessarily have the speed off the corner, but he has the technique. That's where I talk about creative and his technique and his ability to do mm-hmm. that because he won't beat you with his speed. But this is a guy who reminds me of a D Ford, Vic Beasley in the NFL right now with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Atlanta Falcons respectively. You know, some some guys who have had some success. Mm-hmm. And I really think that Harold Landry can have that have that success. I think you have to go back to his his season last year, 16, 16, 16 and a half sacks. I mean, that's absolutely incredible. He was by far the number one guy last season. The ankle injury to him sitting out the last 
four games is is something to monitor. But you can't forget about the overall, you know, body of work that mm-hmm. he's really put in in his time at Boston College and his time in college. He's he's done just a a great job. He's a talented guy and someone who I think will bring a lot in terms of what he can bring with his strength, with his ability, with his technique, and being able to do all of that. He'll be able to bring a lot to a club. The big thing I love about Harold Landry, and I'm not going to reveal where I have him, just know that he's higher on my big board than he is Brandon's, but the thing I love most about Harold Landry is his versatility, and that is being able to, in a what was it, a 3-4 defense, he can play outside linebacker, or it's like, great, I have a 4-3 defense, he can play defensive end. And because he has that, like you said, he's not a guy that's raw talent, you know, I've got that raw speed in the outside, I'm going to beat you, because he's more of a technical guy, has the technique. I feel like any single coordinator in the draft, any team could look at him and go, do, do we got the personnel to bring the best out of them? Do we basically have the personnel defensively to bring out his junior season, the 22 tackles for loss, the 16 and a half sacks in that season? Do we have that? The only thing that I think will knock him and why I'm not, I feel like if he didn't have the ankle injury, 25 would be criminally low. But because of the ankle injury, it was even one when I was ranking these where I looked at it and I went, you know, how's that ankle going to affect a guy who's basically coming off the edge? And you can have the best technique in the world, but if that ankle isn't as strong as you want it to be, that's going to affect you in some way coming off if you have to favor one one foot, basically, more so than the other one. So that's going to be the big question to me as we go through on Harold Landry is he's a versatile guy. He has the technique, but how's that ankle holding up? How's that injury doing? And if we have lingering questions about that, that's the one thing that could make him fall. Yeah. See, so see, that's the, that's I, the, the thing that did it for me is that he, he was injured the, these last four games mm-hmm. still injured right now. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it's, it's different. And, you know, let me reveal this right now. It's mm-hmm. different for a guy like a Josh Rosen yeah. who was injured a season ago, mm-hmm. but now is back. You know, again, he he, he did get injured, actually, in, in one of his last games. Mm-hmm. But he he had that injury. He came back. He had a pretty much entirely healthy season. But when you are dealing with an injury here towards the end, that's where the question comes up of, is this just is this an injury that you, not that you won't be able to get past, but is this something that's going to linger? That, that would be my question. And that's the one thing I would expect. Even if the ankle is healing up nicely, I expect him to not even play against Iowa. Don't even play the pinstripe ball. You don't need to do it. Look on to the NFL draft. I do want to move on though. Two quarterbacks sure. that me and you have down here. I technically had two quarterbacks down here, but we're going to save. Baker Mayfield for a later segment. I want to look at Lamar Jackson and Mason Rudolph, the two quarterbacks that both you and I had at 24, because these are guys that I, Lamar Jackson to me, I feel like is a guy that he has the athletic ability to be in the NFL. Is that going to be enough to make him a quality starting NFL quarterback? I don't know. It could, but I kind of have a feeling that he could be a guy that sneaks in 
late in the first round. But Mason Rudolph, another guy, even though I didn't have him on mine, he's a guy that I look at and I go, I wouldn't be surprised if it's for me right now, I see him as an early second. Wouldn't be surprised if a team said early second, ah, you know, let's take Mason Rudolph. Let's grab him. What was your thought process here having Mason Rudolph at 24? So my thought process with Mason Rudolph at 24 was that I think he improved in in, in a lot of different areas. One of them was accuracy, another decision-making, and a third is pocket presence. So this is a a guy who every single year got better. Mm -hmm. Every single year. You can just see statistically his numbers got better, but I think that's also because his awareness, his his things like pocket presence and everything, mm-hmm. they improved year after year after year. Yeah. And this year, 4,340 yards, 41 touchdowns, five interceptions. Mm-hmm. You know, that statistical line is, is, is very, very good. He has a strong arm. He's got great vision. He's a guy who's, I think, able to look at the entire field and certainly be able to look downfield. Uh, he found and, and hooked up with his favorite target, James Washington, a number of times. So he's definitely able to see the field and be able to take those shots down the field. So he's mm-hmm. clearly got a strong arm. My biggest question with him is how is he going to fare against tough NFL NFL good defenses. You know, how would he be able to to fare against a, a defense that's that's coming at you, that's putting a ton of pressure on you, that's in your face all the time? How would he fare against the Jacksonville Jaguars defense? Mm-hmm. Guys that are, you know, have supreme pass pass rushers and who are good in the secondary, who are very strong in the secondary. That's that would be my question is because when, you know, Historically, uh, what we've known is that the Big 12 is not known for their defensive play. They're known for their offensive ability and their their high point scoring. Baker Mayfield was unable to beat the team that probably had one of the better defenses that he would play in uh, TCU and in Oklahoma, Oklahoma clearly's defense did not show up in that game because they gave up 50-some points as well, but Oklahoma still was able to win. TCU was able to get the win there too. So Baker Mayfield unable to beat the two teams that ended up going at it in the Big 12 championship game and who had, I think you could say, the two best defenses in the Big 12. But again, that's just that, that would be my question. Mm-hmm. It's not that he can't, but that would be my question for me with Baker Mayfield, but I think that he, excuse me, with Mason Rudolph, uh, he came, I think, has come a long ways from when he started off at Oklahoma State to where, you know, where he's at now and and how he finished. This is a guy who I think has a lot of talent, is is, is just the NFL style quarterback that you would want. Now, let me quickly touch on Lamar Jackson. Okay. Extremely talented. Extremely talented. Has the tools to be a quarterback in the NFL, but here's here's my thing: is that you notice I didn't say a starting quarterback in mm-hmm. the NFL because we saw with RG three, I think that they're similar. I think that they're similar because they have the similar styles: the run a lot, can run for a hundred yards, but don't could slide. Pass could pass <laughs> could pass for two hundred fifty three hundred yards, and certainly in college, and RG three did a lot of those same things in the NFL. The RG three. I don't want to say it, but I'll say it. Project worked for a couple of years. Where's where, where's he at now? You know, mm-hmm. we're not we're not seeing him. He's he's not a starting quarterback in the NFL. 
And am I saying that that's exactly how Lamar Jackson's going to fare? Absolutely not. But is that how quarterbacks of that style have seemed to fare? It seems like it has been a trend. Minus Russell Wilson. But Russell Wilson, I still don't think, is to that level. Mm -hmm. He's a little lesser. Uh, that uh, not in talent wise, but in terms of you know being both, he's more of a passing quarterback, and he'll run a little bit. But I, I think that there's 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 certainly the difference there. But Lamar Jackson again, very talented, but to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, I don't know, and that's why I don't have him on my first draft board. I've got two things that are for or each quarterback that is. Both of them, I feel like, could make the jump into the NFL, obviously. That's why I have Lamar Jackson on my big board, and I even said Mason Rudolph would be a second-round pick for me. The two questions I have about both, first with Mason Rudolph's, my biggest question for him is that the Oklahoma State Cowboys come from an, they're an air raid offense. How many times have we seen a spread guy, an air raid guy come from a conference like the Big 12 have a language barrier that they have to get through or there's subtle differences between a pro style that you'll see in the NFL and an air raid style that you see at a college. Usually the language for the air raid style is dumbed down a little bit more and the pro style it's like, wow, there's a different language here. It's kind of like me if I was like, hey, I want to learn Spanish to go to Mexico. That's how it is. It's learning a brand new language for the offense, Lamar Jackson, I mean, I think you hit it right on the head of there are quarterbacks in the NFL that can do it with their legs. I see two examples, though, of which way Lamar Action Jackson wants to go. Do you want to be a guy like Cam Newton, RG3, where RG3's biggest problem was taking the hit, not sliding, not getting out of bounds? He was injured then on that freak stanky leg injury, and really that kind of ended his career looking at hindsight. And then you look at a Cam Newton where had all the confidence in the world, had it shooken up in that Super Bowl. But, I mean, Russell Wilson, the reason why he makes it work is Russell Wilson isn't a guy that I'm going to go out there and take the hit. He uses his legs to extend the play, and he's always looking downfield to do it with his arm, but can do it with his legs if he needs to, but he doesn't take as big as hits as like RG three did. That's what Lamar Jackson's gonna have to learn. I, I could do it with I can do it with both. But if I do it with my legs, I necessarily don't have to get hit every single time. The good thing I like between these quarterbacks though, low interception numbers. Yeah. Mason Rudolph this year, nine that ties a career high for him. And Lamar Action Jackson had a career high of nine last year, had even less this year. Had six INTs thrown this year, and if I'm a if I'm a coach, I can look at that and go, "Hey, I can work with that." Guys that don't turn over the ball and have over sixty percent completion percentage, I can do that. Guy, I want to wrap up this group with is a guy we both had. You had him lower than I. However, there are questions. Denzel Ward, Ohio State. What are you thinking about the cornerback? Well, I think he's uh, he's an athletic and he's a quick cornerback. Um, he's got the ability to maintain tight coverage. Mm -hmm. So he's also a guy who doesn't have a lot of bulk. He's he can definitely, you know, reach up there. He's got, you know, big, you know, big wingspan stuff like that, which I think is going to help him. But since he doesn't he's not as bulky as, you know, some other cornerbacks, how's he going to be physicality wise? 
How's he going to be against the top physical receivers in the NFL? And now, not to call out uh, Eli Apple on this one, but mm-hmm. I, I don't wouldn't want him to then become like the 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 next Eli Apple, who is kind of one of those cornerbacks who is he he, he doesn't seem to me so far in his year, and and, and it's possibly because he's with the Giants and they've just had a tumultuous season. But Eli Apple has really struggled to stick with receivers. He mm-hmm. has struggled to stick with top receivers, physical receivers. He's he's won some battles, but he hasn't been able to win all of them, certainly because I, I, I don't think he necessarily is, is there yet. But Denzel Ward, he's polished and... He's got long arms. I think that's one thing that's definitely going to help him. When you're you're trying to go up and it's a jump ball and you're trying to get up there and knock it away or take it away, you can win a lot of those because you got long arms. So that's that's going to be something I think that's definitely going to help him. And he's a guy that I see being able to be a very, very successful Oklahoma State cornerback in the NFL. The only thing, one of the things that actually, I shouldn't say the only thing, one of the things that I question when it comes to Denzel Ward. And this obviously isn't a deal breaker, but with the NFL, I kind of think about it a little bit. When you think of guys, I'm going to pull up one more cornerback on top of yours. When you think of Eli Apple, how tall is Eli Apple? According to the draft profile from last year, 6'1". Another guy who went in the draft last year who was a cornerback, who are cornerback safety, that defensive back, Position. He was actually a safety here, I'm thinking, but I'm still thinking Ohio State. Malik Hooker, 6-1. The thing that I think will be a, neg- a negative that he'll have to prove wrong for Denzel Ward is I'm looking at the height right now on ESPN, 5'10". When you're not as tall as because the thing with the NFL that's different about college, you'll get those taller receivers. The one I'm thinking about in my head is Alshon Jeffrey. How many times, and I'm going back a couple years when he was with the Bears, Jay Cutler, just throw it up there. Throw it up there, catch the ball. Well, if Denzel Ward is on you, then I'm just going to moss you all day. I'm going to jump over you and take the ball from you. That's the thing. The long arms will help, but how much will the 5'10 height hurt? And it'll have to be, okay, where are we matching him up and is he going to be more of a slot guy? Well, I think that that's where the thing that hurts the most for him is the, you know, the the bulk. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying that he can't be physical, but I'm but saying that, that you, you got to have that yeah that that bigger body mm-hmm. to be able to push some of these bigger guys around. Because what's the theme? What's the trend in the NFL right now? They want their six five receivers. They want mm-hmm. their six four six six receivers. And when you're going, not saying that a five ten guy can't be able to hang with them because yeah. a five ten guy can be scrappy, absolutely. But you've got to be able to know that you've. You, you've got to then know what you've got to play with. You know, you've got the longer arm, so you know you have that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, how are you how are you going to get creative in terms of, you know, to make up for that? I don't want to say lack of physicality. I want to say the lack of bulk. And the good, the good thing is he does have the thing that you can't, like, height and not really height. You can't really grow a guy. But the frame and the bulk, you can go in the weight room and work up those muscles, build up that bulk. The thing you can't change is what he's got. 
and that's ball skills and instincts and coverage. Because, I mean, just looking at the stats, yeah, he's not a guy that's going to rack up a ton of interceptions, only had two this year, but he's had 15 pass deflections. Now, the one thing I will say, and this is kind of a good with the bad yin and a yang here, is, yeah, he had 15 pass deflections, but five of those came in the team's first game against Indiana. So you think about that. One game he had five pass deflections, and then the rest of the game he only had two against Nevada, two against Rutgers, and then one against Iowa, Michigan State, two against Michigan, two against Wisconsin. He also had an INT against Wisconsin, but that's the thing, that five of those came in that first game of the year. But the one thing I do want to kind of just end this with is there's one guy I want to ask you about because he was one where it's like if we had time at the end, I was going to ask you about him, and that's Connor Williams, the tackle from the Texas Longhorns. On mine, you had him at 20. On yours, he's at 22. A guy that missed, I want to say, what, seven or eight games? I think due seven. Due to an MCL and a PCL strain in his left knee, played the last two games, won't play the bowl game. How do you think that affects Connor Williams coming into the NFL draft this year, being on the offensive line? Well, I can say that the interesting thing is is that Connor Williams is a guy who's often rated as the top offensive tackle in the country in mm-hmm. college football. So for him to have this injury, that makes it really interesting. His athleticism, his strength, and his film from previous years is what I think that he's going to have to try and rely on to have a a high draft position going into this year's upcoming, upcoming, well, excuse me, next year's technically Mm -hmm. upcoming draft in April. But I'll tell you what, Ricky, is that that injury would worry me. It, it, it would worry me. You you can have a guy who's got the talent, who's got the skills. But if I'm a, a general manager, if I'm an owner, if I'm a coach, I need to know that this guy is going to be playing for me more games than he's going to be sitting because of an injury. Because yeah. that's number one. Because you're making an investment. As, as much as, you know, the you know the player, obviously, they're... They don't necessarily have a complete choice. I mean, if the Cleveland Browns want you, you're most likely going to the Cleveland Browns. But <laughs> you're making a big investment in this player if you're an organization. And we mm-hmm. have seen how it has hurt organizations who do not draft well, who draft someone who may be a bust. And again, you do not know if they're going to be a bust or not. You can't. If, you, if people knew that Jamarcus Russell was going to be a bust, they would have never tried to draft him. But... It's not just about being a bust. It's about going for somebody who you know has a ton of talent, but they have injuries year after year after year. And that sets back a franchise. It really does. So I think that that's where you need to know. And you need to talk to the doctors. And you need to talk to the player and say, are you healthy? Mm-hmm. Are you healthy? And I think that's, you know, that's, that's number one. Because everything else after that, he does have the, the skills. He does have the, he, he's just an athletic guy. When he was in there for Texas, he made them better. I mean, they knew it. They knew it. You could see it. You could see it in the stance. You could see it in the game. You could see it on TV. But when he was not, you know, you could see that too, how how much they were hurting off that side. So I think that uh, Connor Williams, if he is healthy, he's going to be a, a good draft pick. Well, and just to let everyone know, if we go back to the last NFL draft, uh, we had a mock draft at both – you and I, I came up with the draft, but we talked about it. Had him at number 12. 
overall. So a 12th overall pick preseason now because of like, and the knee's a tricky thing, especially when you get MCLs, PCLs. Thank God it wasn't a pull or a tear. It was just a strain. He was able to come back. But that is going to be one big question that scouts and team doctors and everything at the combine, he's going to get checked up big when it comes to his draft stock coming in. But if you're on Blog Talk Radio, we're going to get right on to the next one before we do. If you're on YouTube, let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section about any of the guys in our 16 through 25. What do you think of some of them? Who did we leave out here that are not in it? I know that's going to be one you're going to say someone that's going to, oh, he's the number one person on the big board. So if it's someone that you know is going to be there, just wait a little bit. But let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section. But Brandon, let's move on into 6 through 15. And for our listeners at home, we'll read right through them. If you're on YouTube, you'll be able to see them. Brandon, I'm going to let you go first. Take us through 15 through 6 for your big board. All right, starting at 15. Wide receiver, wide receiver out of SMU, Cortland Sutton. At 14, offensive tackle from Oklahoma, Orlando Brown Jr. At 13, I had Mo Hurst, defensive lineman out of Michigan. Friend of the show. At 12, I had Calvin Ridley, wide receiver, Alabama. At 11, I had Roquan Smith, linebacker from Georgia. At 10, I had James Washington, wide receiver from Oklahoma State. At 9, I had Baker Mayfield, quarterback, Oklahoma. At 8, I had Arden Key, defensive end, LSU. At 7, I had Quentin Nelson, offensive guard, Notre Dame. And at 6, I had Derwin James, safety, FSU. And for you and I, there are a few repeat guys here for 15 through 16 as we get up. You're going to have that. But for my number 15, starting it off inside linebacker from Alabama, Rashawn Evans. Then you've got this name I'm going to skip. I almost I was like, how did Brandon say it? I'm going to let you say it. The offensive tackle from Notre Dame, Mike. McGlinchey. McGlinchey. I said that right, right? I'm trying to learn these names so that we don't get we don't get hammered in the comment section. We probably still said the one wrong. outside linebacker from Virginia Tech, Tremaine Edmonds. Then at number 12, the defensive end and outside linebacker from LSU, Arden Key. Number 11, wide receiver from Alabama, Calvin Ridley. Then we've got at number 10, the defensive end from Clemson. We got Chillin, right? Chillin? Am I saying that right? Chillin Farrell? No, I, I said Clellan. Clellan Farrell. I'm trying to I'm trying to say these right. If I'm saying them wrong, let me know down below in the description. Chillin? Did you actually nine, say Chillin? I chillin'. said Chillin. Chillin Farrell? Chillin Farrell. Where do you see the H? Then at number nine, <laughs> Josh Allen, quarterback from Wyoming. Then at number eight, we've got Harold Landry, who we talked about in the last segment from Boston College. Number seven, Derwin James, a safety from Florida State. And then Quentin Nelson, the offensive guard from the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. But Brandon, the guy I want to focus on first here, name that I'm not going to screw up because it's so easy to say, LSU's Arden Key. To you, why'd you put him at eight? Why? What put you to have him at eight? Barring everything, he's a guy that missed some spring ball, announced in the spring he's coming back, missed the beginning of the season with a shoulder injury, Missed the last two games with a knee injury. What went through your thought process to put Arden Key at eight? Uh, 
Well, I think that he's outside of the injuries, which mm-hmm. it's you know it's something that's it's holding him down one. because uh, because if he if he didn't have the injuries and multiple injuries, mm-hmm. I probably would have had him up in the top five. I, I mean, I think that he's he's that good. He brings a whole lot to a defense. He's a physical force. Uh, I mean, the guy is really, really, really good. And I say that because it's his physicality. To me, it's his physicality that he's able to bring to a team, to a squad. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it's the energy. It's physicality and energy for me with, with Arden Key. There's a lot of good things there, and those are just two of them. Yeah, well, to me, I look back, and I said to you before we started today, there was a segment that we had, and this was the week, this was all the way back five months ago. I don't remember why you missed, but there was a um, time where you missed. I did the podcast on my own, and I discussed the topic of will Arden Key be the best defensive player in this draft field? That question is answered, no, he is not. There are a few defensive guys that both you and I have a head of Arden Key. But to me, it all comes down to, does he have the skills to be a phenomenal pass rusher for an NFL team? Yes, he does. However, I look at the injuries. And to me, I looked at it because you could say, well, Ricky, Harold Landry has a ankle injury that you talked about in the last segment, yet you don't have him that low. You have him at 8, you have Arden Key all the way at 12. To me, whenever you get towards the knee, whenever you say knee injury, I get a little bit like an ankle injury. I go, okay, it's an injury, but you know what? We can get through that. A knee injury, though, especially with how much with football, especially driving, you need your knees. And once you injure the knee once, depending on what you do, re-injury is high in some cases, that's the thing that scares me right now. And it's not quite of a Connor Williams discussion of, wow, you sprained your MCL and your PCL, but still it's like, okay, you banged up your shoulder, you banged up your knee. I'm going to have some injury questions for you when we get to the NFL Combine. Yeah, I think that those are definitely things that you need to look at. And, and as I as I said before, if you, you went back, and, and and watch those where I talked about the the injuries and and how me personally I if I'm a general manager a coach an owner mm-hmm. I'm asking those questions and I'm finding out is this is this player healthy are they going to be healthy mm-hmm. is this something that's really going to hold them back and and not necessarily be a career ender not at all yeah but is this going to be a definite career factor mm-hmm. you know where they're just not going to be able to play as well at the level are they ever going to be able to play a hundred percent basically mm-hmm. um, and those are things that I need to would need to look at and if yes if the answer is yes after you know finding out talking to doctors talking to the players I said before then okay we can move on but I think another another thing is that you know Key had that 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 pinky finger problem you know to end the the end the season where he missed uh the last two games those are all things that kind of add up so those are you know those Mm -hmm. are his weaknesses injuries injuries i think are are his weaknesses but his his ability to to you know shed shed blockers and 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 really get around the the edge i i think those are sometimes next to none Mm -hmm. and i know 
obviously people are going, well, certainly it's next to somebody because you have other people ahead of him or very close to him that you've talked highly of. So that's true. But when you've seen some of his games, when he is healthy, when you look at when he had 11 sacks in a season and he was healthy, you go, wow, this guy is good. He's freakishly good. Mm -hmm. And those are the things that have him at number eight for me and why I think that a lot of people, a lot of teams will be looking at him high or higher on a board, even even due to those injuries, because that freakish talent mm-hmm. is there. Well, and the thing to me that, and this is the last thing I'll say about Arden Key before we move on, is if he was 100% healthy, I'd have him in my top five, kind of like what you said earlier. And I look at a guy who had done well this year, who we'll talk about later in the podcast, Bradley Chubb from North Carolina State, the way he is and where he is on our big boards, I look at him and go, that's where Arden Key should be if he didn't have the injury questions. But I want to move on, offensive side of the football, mainly the wide receiver position. And I want to start and use Calvin Ridley as the kind of focal point because when you look at our two big boards, you have a few wide receivers. You've got Sutton, you've got Washington from SMU and Oklahoma State. You also have Ridley. You also have... Ridley is your second-best wide receiver. You have Washington ranked above him by two spots. I want to ask you this first. What went into that process to put James Washington at 10, Calvin Ridley at 12? Uh, The reason that I did that is if you take a look at it each game, and again, I know that it's it's different different conferences and everything like that, but when you look at it. Different offensive systems, too. Exactly. But when you look at it, both guys are speedsters and burners mm-hmm. and are big play guys. But when you look at it too, James Washington, he's got a lot of games where he's got six, five, six, nine, six, seven, seven, eight, eight in receptions. And he's got a ton of games where he's got over a hundred yards, some games over two hundred yards, and lots of touchdowns. Twelve touchdowns on the season this year with twenty point six being yards per reception. Mm-hmm. Looking at Calvin Ridley's, I still think he's a good wide receiver. I think he's a good talent. But I think that Calvin Ridley is maybe not quite at the level where Washington was. And and, and when I talked earlier, too, in, in the last segment that we did, I talked about how the new theme for the NFL seems to be going towards that 6'5", 6'6", kind of guy. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe James Washington is that 6'5", guy. James Washington, I'm looking... Excuse me, excuse me, he's not. He's 6'1". He's 6'1". So, excuse me, he's 6'1". Okay. The, so that's so that's, so that's that's completely wrong on my end. I was completely thinking that he was 6'5". Mm-hmm. But, then he's the same height as Calvin Ridley, too. But I just see him as... I, I don't know what the mm-hmm. hell I was thinking. I really thought he was 6'5". But um, I I just think that he's a guy that it was used more of his volume was mm-hmm. there more. Whereas Ridley, there was a lot of three, four, three, two. In, in, in you know where he's used, he's that one guy that it's he's going to be that boomer bust on your fantasy team where he gets a catch for mm-hmm. eighty yards and a touchdown, or he doesn't. This is one where I feel like Calvin Ridley to me. Obviously, is he the number one wide receiver 
Of course he is. He's the only wide receiver on my big board. Spoiler alert, there's none in the top five for me. The thing I like about Calvin Ridley, though, few things. One, his competitiveness. Two, this is a guy in the open field could be a nightmare. Maybe if you bulk up a little bit, obviously you always got you from college to the NFL, but could be a nightmare to tackle in the open field and could be a quality either guy on the outside they use over the middle or a slot guy because you already have wide receivers. There is one, and I know we weren't going to talk teams in this with the NFL, but I have to bring this up with Calvin Ridley. You know what team, which could be in the top five for the draft, that if Calvin Ridley's there, which he'll probably be, I take him? The Chicago Bears. Like, that is, to me, Calvin Ridley's a guy where he can be that number one for a team, whether it's outside over the middle, outside going deep, or a guy that, hey, we've got two wide receivers, let's put him in the slot, and he can be that guy in the slot for us. Not the tallest guy, but neither of these two that we're talking about are. And it's going to be interesting because, like, I was talking to you as we were coming in today, this wide receiver class, there's just something missing from past classes to where I feel like there have been... In the last two, three years, it's been like we've had these two guys where it's like, which wide receiver do you want? Which one's going to go at the top of the board when it comes to the NFL draft? But this year, it's kind of like, yeah, Calvin Ridley's the big name. But then it's like, there's no big names other than Calvin Ridley with this wide receiver class. Yeah, so... Uh, the the guy that I was thinking of was Cortland Sutton, so he's six. Mm-hmm. He's at six four, and he was the third also wide, on your big board. The third wide receiver that I have on on the big board. Um, but with with Calvin Ridley, the the style that he would play, I, I feel like he would be much more of a slot guy mm-hmm. uh, when you're when you're in the NFL. He's not going to be. I I would not see him as being one of the guys um, shifted all the way to the outside um, because that's just that's just not him. He's he's certainly going to be more of a slot kind of possession wide receiver, I believe, who can break off that big play. And who can do that, who does that really well in the NFL, Ricky, is Golden Tate for mm-hmm. the Detroit Lions. I think he does a great job of doing that. Golden Tate is not usually the guy that you're going to see speeding down the field on a deep route. That's usually your Marvin Jones to get to an, to the NFL reference. But can Golden Tate go deep, go long, catch a deep pass, and make it go for a lot of yards, touchdown? Yes, he can. So I think that that's where Calvin Ridley is very, very good and will be very good. Um, and no, this year I think you're right. We haven't had that flashy wide receiver where you're like, wow. You know, they're putting up. They've had 1,400 yards and mm-hmm. 15 touchdowns just, you know, like just about every season. But I still think that the wide receivers that we have are quality coming into this. And then mm-hmm. you, you look at Cortland Sutton uh, being from SMU. And obviously SMU, you know, 7-5 and five this year, nothing extremely special. But he's a guy on their team who I think has done, who has done well. He's produced well. And he's got the athleticism, the ability, certainly the size to be a good, NF, uh, to be a good NFL wide receiver. So that's where I put him where I put him. But I again I like James Washington because of the fact that he's he's got extremely good athletic ability. He is a guy who can move it down the field. He had a great quarterback in Mason Rudolph, but big plays happened almost every single week with him. He was having a mm-hmm. hundred yards and a touchdown. Hundred yards and 
and a touchdown. And he was consistent with that. So he was able to get open, make big plays, has the the athleticism to do that. That's where I why I see him ahead of Ridley just a bit. But again, the the size at six one would, which I had mixed up and mm-hmm. used uh, a wrong reference, but it's not your typical NFL height because again, it's going more. Six three to six five ish, mm-hmm. like we're but, saying, bigger wide can, receivers. But you can still be successful at six one in the NFL as a wide receiver. Well, and the thing with, and this is the last thing I'll say about wide receivers before we move on is, out of the last three years, two of them we've had that big two. Two thousand fifteen was the Amari Cooper, Kevin White, Devonta yeah. Parker um, draft, and he had Nelson Aguilar. Where I was like, huh, Nelson Aguilar to the Eagles. And then, obviously, last year was, who do you want, Corey Davis or Mike Williams? That was your big two. But, ag- I could but, ag- see- but again, let me just say really quickly mm-hmm. is that you say your, your big two. Now, Amari Cooper has mm-hmm. worked out really well. Kevin White has not, not worked out. Mm-hmm. Nelson Aguilar is just now this year working out for the Eagles. Corey Davis, they're trying to figure out they're trying to figure out if he's going to work out there in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And Mike Williams has been injured and they're gonna try and find out if he's gonna turn into anything for the Chargers. So maybe you don't need that big name. And that's like I was going to get into. I could see this being more of like twenty sixteen where Corey Coleman was our first one, but he went at fifteen. But then 21 through 23, Will Fuller, Josh Doxson, Laquan Treadwell. So we had wide receivers towards the later part. And maybe this isn't the draft. We get wide receivers in the top 10 towards the top of the NFL draft. But I want to move on. Got to talk. We always talk about them. Got to talk quarterbacks. We got two big ones here. And two that one is it's like how much potential are you going to put into it when you draft him? And that's Josh Allen. Didn't have a great season this year. However, had a decent season, has a lot of potential. And then on the other side, you have Baker Mayfield, who had arguably one of one of the high-profile seasons this year, but has some questions. Some of them may be drawn because of his own doing in a little bit in some ways. But at number nine, both you and I, I had Josh Allen, you had Baker Mayfield. What with Mayfield made you put him at number nine? Because remember, I had him all the way at 22. I think he's just that talented. I think he's just that talented. And watching this game this past weekend against TCU, it, it did it for me. Mm-hmm. It did it for me. Because you texted me, and I, you were very high on uh, Baker Mayfield and Oklahoma in general. Yes. <laughs> You're like, they're my favorite. They're my favorite to win. And Clemson and that had already not played. Yeah, no, I mean, it, 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 well, I, I didn't say they were my favorite to win, but I said mm-hmm. I think they have to be the favorite right now. Yeah, and they were the and they were the first ones that that, that we knew that were going to be in. And no, we didn't know nothing else uh, had happened. But Baker Mayfield, one of the things that really kind of did it for me was when he had that fifty-some yard run. He was able to not only extend the play. But then make it go for 50-some yards, mm-hmm. and he showed off his athletic ability, his speed. That's that's not something that every single quarterback can do. We saw Alex Smith just this past weekend run for 70 yards on one play. Mm-hmm. 
that I mean that's a lot that brings a lot especially when you're a quarterback that is a a a pocket quarterback that you're you're going to hang in the pocket you're a passing quarterback you're not the Lamar Jackson you're not the RG3 and you're able to go and do that when need be he's just got the skills he's got the talent i know coming into this season after everything that Oklahoma lost you and i sat here we talked about them, and I know I certainly said something probably along the lines of, I don't know if Oklahoma is going to be as good. Certainly I didn't think they were going to be as good because I thought Oklahoma State was going to beat them and actually <laughs> go undefeated. That was funny. But um, I, I think that Baker Mayfield made everyone else around him better. Everyone else around him better. It helped the running game with Oklahoma. They were really good in the with the running game this season. I think that's partially because of Baker Mayfield, because of how good he is at the quarterback position. He made his wide receivers around him better. He turned Mark Andrews into a great tight end. Not to say that he, Mark Andrews wasn't already, but I mean they de- developed a great rapport. And and now Andrews, I think, is probably on some people's draft boards that wasn't there before. It's certainly not first mm-hmm. round, I don't think, but. That's why I like Baker Mayfield the most at this point. And when I say the most, we haven't gotten to our, our top yet. Mm-hmm. So, But that's why I like him at this point in the draft. That's why I like him better than a Lamar Jackson. I just think Baker Mayfield has the skills. He has the athleticism. He has, honestly, he has the vision, the arm, everything I think like that comes with Baker Mayfield if people want to say, you know, how's he going to be off the field? Again, something else you have to look into, something else you have to make sure that he is going to be focused on football, which I do believe that he would be. But he, to me, he's got it. He's got it all. Well, and for me, I'm on the other side of it. I have Josh Allen up here. And the thing with Josh Allen, the reason why I have him, because I was I was flipping on Josh Allen. I originally had him at 11. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to have him just out of the top 10. Then I was like, yeah, you know what, I'm going to have him just in the top 10 at 9. And the reason being is when it comes to Josh Allen, yes, he's a quarterback that can sling it, and he's super raw. Like, he's not a guy that, he's not going to be like Darnold and Rosen, especially a guy like Rosen is what I look at. Because Rosen right now could step into the NFL, be your starting quarterback day one, and you're fine with that. Like, Darnold, there's still some questions of, like, you know, should he stay another year in college? Yes, his ceiling is higher, but do you have the coaching staff to get him there? Baker Mayfield has the questions. But Josh Allen, it is all, it's just, he's a lump of clay to me. And can you mold him into what you want? And, I mean, when you look at the numbers for Josh Allen, they're not there. I mean, with this year, under 60% completion, didn't he had half as many yards as he did last year. Now he did play four less games. He did have an injury this year where he um, had a sprained AC joint in his shoulder. He's hoping to come back for the Idaho Potato Bowl where part of me is just going sit out. Just sit out that game. Like It doesn't mean anything for you to play that game. However, there is that little voice in the back of my head that's like, no, 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 if you play that game and play well, it could help your draft stock. But I think shoulder injury, you missed the last two. Just sit out, show us what you got in pro days and at the combine. And I, I, 
I just I feel like some NFL team is going to take a stab at Allen. And I mean, when I look at it, I kind of I almost compare it to the numbers are obviously a lot different, but I think back to Aaron Rodgers when he came out. And the reason why is Aaron Rodgers was a guy everyone had questions about Aaron Rodgers. Fundamentals. Like, I'm reading stuff here on old scouting reports, and there's one here that at the top goes, you start questioning everything from where you worked out to how hard you worked to the people you hung around with and leaving college. It's very humbling. You can use that with Baker Mayfield as well. It's just funny where it's where these guys will end up. A guy like Baker Mayfield, he could step into, I kind of agree with Rick Neuheisel, he could step into a job like Cleveland and have the attitude to say, I'm going to turn around the Cleveland Browns. Do I necessarily think he'll do that? No, but he could do that. Where Josh Allen's a guy where it's like, you know what? Go to the New York Giants. Go to a Pittsburgh Steelers. Go to a team that has a quarterback that is maybe three years out like Brett Favre was and develop within those three years and then step into that starting job. So that's really the yin and yang with it. Baker Mayfield could step in day one. Josh Allen, I think, needs to work with the NFL coaching to get up there. Last guy I want to mention I wanna, very briefly. I, I want to mention uh, Josh ahead. Allen. I am not impressed with him. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not. Uh, uh, I, I think that his his 2016 season with Wyoming, that was great. I mean, that was it was a really good season. The 28 mm-hmm. touchdowns, the 15 interceptions, he showed us a whole lot. But this past year, I mean, he, he couldn't even get to 2,000 yards. I know there were some injuries. He missed a couple of games. Couldn't even get to 2,000 yards. Had 13 TDs, six interceptions. When you take such a step backwards like that, for me, what's going on? And that's the thing. That is what I look at where, is he going to blow people's minds off the first year? No. But get him working with those NFL coaches Get them working with NFL talent because there's a difference between, I'm going to compare it to Carson Wentz. There's a difference between Wentz and Josh Allen, both coming from the lower side, the FCS schools of, you know what, this is what it is. Where Carson Wentz, he's out there, he makes everyone else better. Whereas Josh Allen, it's like, you know, he didn't have necessarily the same talent around him if he had the, not knocking Wyoming, but if he had... Power 5 coaching and Power 5 talent, would the numbers have been different? And it's all about what he will be able to do with NFL coaching. But this is where you guys come in. You might notice a jump cut. We were going to talk about Derwin James, but after a little discussion, Brandon and I thought to nix it. So this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think down below. What do you think of our 6 through 15, the discussion we had, Arden Key, the quarterbacks, wide receivers? You guys let us know what you guys have down below in the comment section. But Brandon, let's move on to our top five, or as some would say, our cream of the crop here on our big board. And as a great macho man, Randy Savage would say in wrestling, the cream always rises to the top. Go ahead. Give us your top five, five through one. All right. Uh, Brandon's like, I wasn't expecting a macho man, Randy Savage impression. No, I was not. Uh, number five, I've got uh, Bradley Chubb, uh, defensive end from NC State. Number four, Minka Fitzpatrick, defensive back from Alabama. At number three, Josh Rosen, quarterback from UCLA. At number two, Sam Darnold, quarterback from USC. And at number one, running back 
from the Penn State, Saquon Barkley. I'll be completely honest. We'll go straight into mine. Not many. Di- There's only one difference. The only difference, I have Minka Fitzpatrick at five. I have Bradley Chubb at four. So I've got Fitzpatrick, defensive back, Alabama, Chubb, defensive end, NC State. Top three the same. Rosen, quarterback, UCLA, Darnold, QB from Southern Cal, Barkley, running back from Penn State. I want to start with this quarterback discussion. Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen. I will be completely honest with you, Brandon. I told you this on the phone as you called me before we came in to record. I am shocked that you have Rosen under Darnold. Like, for myself, I always liked, I always was favoring Darnold over Rosen. I thought you would be the guy to favor Rosen over Darnold. I want to know why. I want to know why you think that. I feel like in our, like, in our conversations, like when we've talked about Rosen, I've talked about Darnold, I've just gotten this vibe that you're a Rosen. Like, if we had to pick and it was, like, black and white, that you'd be a Rosen guy over a Darnold guy. Just from our conversations and speaking about Rosen and Darnold. But tell me why you have Rosen over Darnold. Because obviously I know why I have Rosen over. Why I have Darnold over Rosen. That's what I meant to say. So, for Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. After last year, we thought he was the second coming of Christ and <laughs> that he was going to be just absolutely lights out. You're telling me he's not? Uh, oh. oh, surprise. Newsflash. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I mean, he had, he had a great game in the, mm-hmm. in the Rose Bowl last year uh, against Penn State, actually. And then he, he came into this season, lots of expectations, very high expectations. And in the first couple of games, it, it was like, oh, my gosh. This this guy's human. He he's not the next Tom Brady, mm-hmm. you know. But nine picks in his first six games, three picks over his last seven, fourteen touchdowns to three interceptions. So what does that tell me? First of all, is that okay? You have a slow start. You have a strong finish. You can make adjustments. Mm-hmm. You're able to make adjustments within the season. To get better. That's that's first, number one overall. And the competition got better as the season went on. I think that's also a, a big thing. Mm-hmm. For Sam Darnold, it's his size, certainly his ability, his arm strength, his playmaking ability to be able to... We talk about it, and we've talked about it a number of times tonight. It's being able to extend the play. Extend the play. That's what Sam Darnold's able to do with his arm... With his legs, one of the things that I would say though, with his legs, his arm, his um, ball, ball security, ball <laughs> security when he's keep that ball in. Yeah, ball security when he's trying to run. That that would be number one. Uh, but ball security in, in general, that would be one of my weaknesses for him. Is that he's got to be better at ball security. I mean, I, if you remember the the Colorado game, mm-hmm. uh, which some people may may, especially USC fans, uh, could not secure that football. So I, I think that that's definitely number one on the weakness side. But there's to me, there's really not a whole lot of there's not a whole lot of weaknesses. There's mm-hmm. there's a lot of Wow, look at what he can do for you. And he's he's a special talent. He's a very, very special talent. And Sam Darnold, I mean, we, 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 we've seen it. We've mm-hmm. seen it. I mean, going all the way back to 
when Max Brown was benched and Sam Darnold was was inserted into the starting lineup as the starting quarterback after the Alabama game, and everything just seemed to go right for Sam Darnold. He just seemed to be a true leader, a guy who was able to lead a team, and, and guys got better around him, and, and he made guys better, and he was able to... You know, play with Juju Smith-Schuster, and and now Juju's in the in the NFL trying to find his bike. And you know, it's just it's. I thought it, he did find his bike. He he finally okay. did, but for a while he was looking for it. But it just, Darnold is that type of guy who's going to make everybody around him better. And when you do that, you remind me of very good quarterbacks in the NFL because the quarterbacks in the NFL, what do they do? They make the guys around them that much better. You know what made me smile when you brought up the name Max Brown? A year ago, a year ago, when we were talking 2016 season, I still remember, and I had to look them up for the exact titles, we had two topics on Max Brown. One of them is Max Brown, the quarterback, to bring USC back to the top. It's Sam Darnold. But, Number but, two but here's the thing, though. Was, was USC Alabama going to be Max Brown's coming out party? It was not. But here's not his coming out party. But here's the thing: is that believe it or not, in a maybe non-technical way, mm-hmm. were we right? Max Brown was the the way to the top his, because his his, his failure and his benching led to the led to Sam Darnold. So again, we're not wrong. Yeah, we're not it, wrong. We're technically it, or non-technically not wrong. His benching led to football Jesus is what you're talking about. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what you're saying. But with these guys, I feel like for me, I look at the stats. Yeah, they're obviously a little different, but really they're ballpark the same. You look at these two statistically, they're both in the same ballpark. The thing that I think of between the, these two that makes it easy, and this is the reason why I, I have Darnold over Rosen also, is Darnold has the higher ceiling, Rosen has the higher floor. If you're, if you're an NFL team and you're thinking about just this next upcoming year, if you're saying, Ricky, the apocalypse happens after the next Super Bowl, you only get one year with either of these quarterbacks— I will pick Josh Rosen all day, every day. But if you're saying to me, Ricky, the apocalypse ain't going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. You're going to have this guy for as many years as you want. I'll take Sam Darnold because of where his ceiling is. His ceiling and his potential are a lot higher than a Josh Rosen. That's why I would take Darnold. Now, am I in the camp that Darnold should probably stay in school? Yes, I am. It would help him, and then he wouldn't have to play for the Cleveland Browns. That's what I'm thinking. But if he did come out, to me, he'd be the top quarterback easily over Josh Rosen. And that's not a knock at Josh Rosen whatsoever. It's just, hey, Josh Rosen's here, Darnold's here, but by the end of their career, they could be here. And Darnold could be above Rosen when they get... To the end of it. Yeah, and I think that when you bring up Josh Rosen to to now go into him, Mm -hmm. again, he's a physical talent with a strong arm. He can pretty much make any throw you need him to make with his arm. Mm -hmm. I mean, if we all we have to do, I think, is go back to the first game of the season this past year against Texas A&M and what he was able to do. Certainly didn't start off well in that game. but Come back. But he came back. He got things together. He rallied the troops. And they came back, and they beat Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. So there's two things in that. One, is he able to come back, and is he able to make some really, really good throws? Oh, yeah, 
I almost said yuck. Oh, <laughs> heck yes, he is. Yuck. Yuck, he is. Heck yes. Heck all yes in one. is now yuck. Yuck. So we're going to make shirts that just say yuck with an exclamation point. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's, that's, you know, that's part of the point is he can make, he make the throws that he needs to make. Mm-hmm. But also, he sometimes isn't as accurate as you would like him to be. Accuracy has at times been a thing that's kind of gotten away from him. But then again, my biggest thing is his he had an injury, kept him out for a good part of a season last mm-hmm. year. And then for the most part though, came back, bounced back, was pretty uh healthy this entire season. I think had an injury in one of his last games here, but this is a this is a guy who bounced back from that injury rather quickly and rather well to have a pretty good season this year with UCLA in terms of himself, mm-hmm. you know, not necessarily for the team. Their best season, UCLA's best season, by the way, eight and five. Eight and five with him, with with Rosen there. With Rosen there, eight and five season under Jim Mora, the former Jim Mora, who's no longer their coach. Well, the thing, let's move on away from the quarterbacks a little bit. I'll let you pick which one we mentioned first. I want to move into the two defensive players we got here. We got Minka Fitzpatrick. I had him at five. You have him at four. Bradley Chubb. I had him at four. You had him at five. Really close here on the big board. Which one do you want to talk about first? So here, I'll take I'll take uh, Minka, and then I'll let you take Chubb. So, Works for me. So Works how, for me. So Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, you talk about a. Do you only pick him because he's the Alabama guy, and you yes, like Alabama? Actually, yes. Um, but actually, I'm going to cut you off really quick. Did you see what Shannon Sharp had today on uninterrupted? No. On the desk, he had a uh, thing of Tide with a toilet paper roll on top of it. And he said, Skip, roll Tide. Roll Tide. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I it's just, I had very clever. I, it's I, very I clever. thought that you would get a kick out of that. But I, Minka Fitzpatrick. Minka Fitzpatrick. One of, one of the things that I think is easily noticeable is that when Minka Fitzpatrick is not on the field, mm-hmm. you know he's not on the field. And the reason being is because... Alabama's defense is not as tough. It's not as physical. So many of those defensive plays they run through Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, he is he is quick. He is big. He is a guy who is physical. I mean, I can't say that enough. He is just really, really good at his position. And again, with as good of a defense as Alabama is, I mean, let's let's just say it, they're one of, if not the best defense in the country, when mm-hmm. healthy. And you take one guy away, you should still be able to, okay, we're we're good, we're fine. Yeah, they're good, they're fine, but you know, like I said, when Minka Fitzpatrick is not on that field, you can tell. You can tell. The one thing I will say about Minka before I talk about Bradley Chubb is the thing I love most about him is his versatility. Can play either cornerback or either safety. And a guy that I compare him to, mainly because we had the same discussion about him last year, is I almost think about a Jalen Ramsey. To where it's like, he is a guy that can play either safety or cornerback, and whichever one you put him at, you're going to love having him on the field. But Bradley Chubb is a guy to me where I agree with Mel Kuyper when he says... He's not going to be on the level of Miles Garrett, and we're not going to be talking about Bradley Chubb as a number one pick. Duh, we've got two great quarterbacks in this draft. They both come out. But if you look at their numbers, 
Bradley Chubb's numbers this year are slightly better than the number one pick in the draft last year, and that pass rusher went number one overall to the Cleveland Browns. This is a guy has power and speed on the outside, and guess what? We have not heard a wink of when it comes to this pass rusher. The word starts with an I, Brandon, ends with a Y, injury. Have not talked about many injury with Bradley Chubb, and that is key. No Arden Key situation here, no Connor Williams situation here. I know Connor Williams is the offensive tackle, but injury we talked about today. Bradley Chubb to me. I know that with us, there might be people that say me and you both have him too high. I don't think we have him high enough almost. I think that if Darnold and Rosen aren't as on a pedestal as they are, and especially in my mind and just overall, I told you coming in, I almost put Bradley Chubb at number three. Yeah. I almost put him splitting up the two quarterbacks because that's how that's how dominant I think he can be in the right system in the NFL. He's a guy that can get off the edge quick, can get off the edge powerfully, and he's a guy that I know against Boston College he had a big one, but he's a guy that could become a strip sack artist in the NFL could be huge for whatever team in the top five wants them. I wanted to go back to Minka Fitzpatrick for a minute. Go and, ahead. And I wanted to say that what I think is another positive with him is that, you know, he isn't a guy who's just, you know, now been contribute, contributing in his senior year, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. He's a guy who's been been there with Alabama since he was a freshman, and he's been a guy who's been making plays for this Alabama defense since he was a freshman. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's really good because he's got that experience. He's 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 had that under his belt, and he's grown with that Alabama defense. Now, another thing with Minka Fitzpatrick that people could possibly see as a negative is that Alabama doesn't usually make him play a lot of one-on-one defense. They don't put him on a, you know, Revis Island and say, okay, go one-on-one with this team's top wide receiver. He really hasn't had to do that. Mm -hmm. So is that something that NFL teams will look at and go, well, you know, he's been good, but, you know, he's not going to – he can't be our top guy because he's not been able to do that. And will he be able to make that transition fairly seamlessly? That's a question, but I don't think it's one that is going to take long to be answered because I I think that just with his talent – I mean – you talked you talked about the versatility with him where he's able to play multiple positions on mm-hmm. that defensive side yeah. of the football going one on one in defensive coverage I don't think would shake the guy at all. Well, and the last thing I want to move into the number 1 on our big board unanimously between the two Saquon Barkley, which is funny because today before we start recording the podcast Saquon Barkley, not a Heisman candidate. How can he not be a Heisman candidate, but he's number one on our big board? Uh, well, I think that it's simple. Um, Doesn't play I, quarterback? I, no, I'm answering, I'm answering this. No, because Bryce Love made it. I'm answering this question, your question, with not a straight answer. We have, you have Lamar Jackson at low mm-hmm. on your big board. I don't even have him on mine. Mm-hmm. He's a Heisman finalist. I so I will I, I be honest. That, I am a Lamar Jackson lover. I have am fallen in love with Lamar Jackson ever since last year. I didn't even think he was going to be a Heisman finalist this year. So I had the bold prediction uh, early mm-hmm. on 
uh, before the season it was pre-season. started, preseason, and I, my bold prediction was that when we were we were talking about actually who mm-hmm. we were we talking about who we thought would be the Heisman. Yep, blah, blah, blah. we did have a Heisman discussion, and I said my bold prediction would be that Lamar Jackson would be nowhere near the discussion. Jokes on me, <laughs> he is. Um, but how is it that Saquon Barkley's not in it? I think because he, I think because his team started to fall off. After they, those they, back-to-back losses, they, they 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 went away. The loss to Michigan State was tough. Mm-hmm. The loss to Ohio State was worse, um, and he wasn't putting up the same type of numbers. Mm-hmm. And now, let me tell you, folks, is that obviously whoever is picking the the group that's picking the Heisman finalists, they stay up to watch mm-hmm. the Pac-12 games yeah, because Stanford because Stanford Bryce Love got. Uh, Got in there, but mm-hmm. he deserved to be. He certainly deserved to be, and it was obviously um, you. You you'll know this when you're watching this video that it was Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, and Bryce Love. Yeah. I think they all de- probably deserve to be there based on their stats. You know, you can't put. It's just like the playoff. Mm-hmm. There's probably about six guys who really deserve to be there, but you have three spots for it. Mm-hmm. Just like there's probably eight teams who could be there, and you have four. Well, let me ask you this. Why did you put Saquon at number one? Put Saquon at number one because I think overall, all around, he's the best player. Mm-hmm. He's the best player overall. He can be a running back, and he's got great vision. He's got great vision. He's got great speed. And then he can line up as a wide receiver. And then he can be a kick returner. And then, hell, he can throw the freaking football. The guy, Just call him Booby Miles. The, the guy can do it all. <laughs> I mean, and he can do it all successfully mm-hmm. that's why i think that he is he's you you talk about an all-around athlete that's what saquon barkley is and he's going to bring that to you he's going to bring that to any team that goes and gets him they can line him up at so many different positions it's incredible he's successful out of all of them and he catches passes out of the backfield. That's important. You know, he could be, oh, here we go again, trying to compare, <laughs> you know. But, like, a successful, when when he was healthy, I mean, certainly looking at, at last season, Melvin Gordon. So, you know, Melvin Gordon, mm-hmm. in, in terms of the pass pass catching and, and, and running ability, Melvin Gordon, very good at that. And, and he's, you know, one of the, the younger guys who's good at that. He catches a ton of passes out of the backfield. Le'Veon Bell, he's a guy who you can line him up all over the field, all over the field, and he is going to get it done for you. I think they've they've even had him throw some passes before, mm-hmm. um, but it's it has been just a great run for Saquon Barkley. Talk about a guy who's gotten better each and every year. Saquon Barkley has gotten better each and every year. You know what I find absolutely hilarious? And this is off the topic of Saquon really quick. What's that? Before I left my house for the podcast today, I was like, you know what? Brandon and I aren't going to take too long. I don't need my laptop charger. Guess what just happened to it my died. laptop? It died. It is now dead. So I am laptopless. But the thing I was going to say about Saquon Barkley, and I was going to look at numbers to compare them, but throwing that out the window, I'm just going to say what I was going to say before. I wouldn't be surprised if Saquon Barkley this year in the draft has a very Adrian Peterson-like road to where it's like, you know what? Is he number one on the big boards? Yeah. 
But did he end up being like the seventh pick in the draft? Yeah, he did. And that's only because I wonder how the running back position is going to be weighed early in this draft. Obviously, we've been seeing more and more towards when you have two quarterbacks like you do in Darnold and Rosen if they come out, and then if you have the pass rushers also, that if they rise, I wonder if he slides back a bit order-wise, even though he's the best player in college basketball, like college football, I almost said basketball, college football. To me, on my end, what's the, the one thing if you've noticed? Two of the guys had it. They were ranked higher on mine than yours. Harold Land or yeah, Harold Landry and Minka Fitzpatrick both had versatility. I am a guy that I love versatility in my players, and that's what Saquon Barkley is. Can run the ball, can catch the ball, even though I feel like and I got a little bit of flack for this in talking about Saquon in the past. He can catch the ball, but he's not an amazing pass catcher. He needs to work on that. There are things he needs to work on, and that is one of them. But is he still the best player in college football? Would he be taking needs out of it, taking team fit out of it? If I'm just drafting, yes, he's my number one. The only one that I almost put above him was the guy I had at number two in Sam Darnold. Those are the only two players that I would think to put in that number one spot. And I just I wonder where he's going to fall because I think that He'll be a top 10 pick, but I wouldn't be surprised if Saquon falls out of the top five because he's a running back and the top five teams don't value that. Well, uh, I I can tell you, uh, you you know, we want to keep teams pretty yeah. much out of it and stuff like that, but I can tell you of the top five teams, I know that there's at least one in there that definitely needs a running back, and there's, def- there's one in there that definitely needs a lot of help at a lot of different positions and a guy that can help you at running back. Can I guess could... without saying their name? Sure. Did they just fire their head coach? Sure. Yeah, okay. See, we're, we're thinking on the same wavelength. We're think- they just fired their head coach and their GM because that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean the Giants are so <laughs> I mean, the, the the Giants are when it comes down to uh-huh. it so pitiful at the mm. running back position, and they have not had a good running back since freaking Tiki Barber. I mean it is it's been forever since the Giants had a legitimate mm-hmm. threat at the running back position, and Saquon Barkley is a guy who again can give you he gives you that versatility and he's going to be I think good at the running back position but again you can put him in the slot for for wide receiver not that you're going to him all the time mm-hmm. but he gives you that extra weapon yeah. you know another guy that they have to cover to hopefully then open up Odell Beckham Jr or Sterling Shepard or whoever it might be but that's what Saquon Barkley is able to bring to any team I'm going to wrap up the podcast right here. Before I do, we've got extended housekeeping here at the end. Mock draft style and draft style. Our next big board is going to be, our next one is February 5th for the NFL. That'll be Brandon and I's next big board. Our first mock draft is actually next week on the onside kick. So Mark and I, we have the big board this week. You guys get to digest that. Next week's our first mock draft of the season the next actual big board for me and you between basketball and football, because we double dip here on the primetime podcast, I want to say that one is at the end of the at the end of uh, January. So around the January thirtieth um, date, right around the beginning of 
conference play. So actually, no, beginning of January will be like January 16th will be our first big board for college basketball. That's our next one. And then February will be football. We're entering. This is this is the beginning. I'm dubbing it. This is the beginning of draft season here on Most Valuable Podcast. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you're all the way with us, all the way through it. Now the actual housekeeping. MVP t-shirts. You can buy those. They down below in the description how you can do that. We also have Patreon.com. You love what we were doing today. Uh, throw us a buck or two. You get a podcast for doing so. And for $10, you can actually join a podcast. You want to talk draft stuff with us? Come on the podcast. Be a Patreon supporter like Christian, Patrick, and Jake do every single month. And then finally, if you're on YouTube, you have, or if you're on iTunes, have an iTunes account, please give us that five-star rating. We would It would mean the world to us. And if you could do it for us, the Onside Kick, the Fast Break, the Rick and Johnny podcast, that would be really cool. I want to thank Brandon, our first big board. It's all said and done. It was here. Now it is gone. Now they get to digest it and tell us what they think down below in the description. I want to thank you guys for either watching on YouTube and or listening on all podcast services around the globe. Thank you guys for listening, but as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.